Hi, I'm Taylor Baker. I'm a former RIT hockey player, and you're listening to College Hockey Talk. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of College Hockey Talk. I'm your host, Matthew, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And on today's podcast, I'm joined by former RIT women's hockey player, Taylor Baker. In this episode, we talk about Taylor's college hockey experience with RIT, what she's up to now, and Taylor's journey to college hockey in Rochester. However, before we get to today's interview, I'd just like to ask if you can please follow us on social media, on Instagram and Twitter at College Hockey Talk. You can also follow our YouTube channel as well, where we post older videos on that website. And also follow us on Spotify and subscribe to our Apple podcast page and leave a rating and review. Doing these things helps our podcast grow, helps new people find us, and I truly appreciate it if you did those things. It means a lot to myself. Without further ado, here is today's episode. I hope you guys enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of College Hockey Talk. On today's podcast, I am honored to join by former RIT women's hockey player Taylor Baker. Uh, Taylor, thank you so much uh, for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. How's everything going? Yeah, great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. Now, you graduated RIT uh, a couple years ago, so my question is, I guess, what have you been up to since graduation, um, hockey-wise or non-hockey-wise? Yeah, so I graduated in 2020, so it was like peak COVID, right when everything got shut down. So I actually ended up moving to Budapest, Hungary to play in the European Women's Hockey League. So this is my second year here, and then I've had the opportunity to join the Hungarian national team, so I've been doing that as well. Nice. How did you get the opportunity to join the Hungarian national team if you're not, like, born in Hungary? I'm curious how that works. Um, They kind of just asked me after the season, like mid-season, and they're able to do that sometimes since I'd been in the country for long enough. And We had a few really big um, competitions coming up, like Olympic qualifiers and Worlds, so... I just got pretty lucky, and it's been a great experience, so I've been loving it. Awesome. And how's Budapest? I don't know anything about that city except for the song Budapest. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it, but that's the only that's the only thing I know about Budapest, to be honest with you. Yeah, we we played the song a lot last year. It was one of my <laughs> roommate's favorite songs, so it's pretty funny. But um, I love the city. It's a super like young city. There's a lot of different international schools, so there's a lot of English speakers. So that's a lot of fun. And have you had the chance to travel around Europe a little bit since you're close by to some of these places? Yeah, I've been to a few countries. Obviously, I want to travel more. COVID's not helping. But yeah, I'm hoping to travel more at the end of the season. And I've been to a few, but we're lucky that we get to play like across Europe. So we got to see things with the team. Yeah, it's awesome. And what's the COVID situation like in Europe? Because I feel like it's a little bit different than here in the States. Um, is it still like, are you still guys, are you guys still dealing with restrictions or is it kind of like um, back to normal, I guess, in Europe? Yeah. Um, honestly, it changes all the time, kind of like Canada and the U S uh, this season's been a little rocky because we've had to have games canceled because of different like international border rules, but it's getting back on track. So hopefully it stays on track. 
but I've been lucky because Budapest has been open for most part. So that's awesome. Pretty lucky. Yeah. And for hockey reasons, how's that, how's pro hockey been like for you? Is it different than college? And um, just talk about that experience and uh, what it's been like for yourself. Um, I've really enjoyed it. I've been really liking moving over to Europe and just kind of experience a whole new culture. Um, the hockey's still really competitive, especially with the national team. So I've been really liking it. And obviously it's my second year, so I liked it enough to come back. But I, I loved the competition level of both our league and the league with the national team. So I've been able to like continue to play competitively, which was nice. That's awesome. And I guess like when you're after you graduate college, obviously it's a little bit different for women's hockey versus men's hockey. How did you make the decision to want to go to Europe and go that route after college instead of staying in the U.S. and playing for the PHF or like the PWHPA? Um, honestly, my college experience kind of got cut short with COVID and I wasn't really sure what my plans were. And I had the opportunity to go to Europe and I've, I had never been to Europe. So I was like, I might as well take this chance to travel and see a different part of the world get paid for it. So that's been super fun and ended up working out really well for me. So I've been pretty happy with that experience. Yeah, I heard in Europe you get the chance to – is there any balance in between, like, um, how do you, like um, – so how what's the, I guess, the financial situation like uh, for a pro hockey player in Europe? I'm curious, is it different than compared to a women's hockey player that's playing in the States? That's something I've never really thought of, to be honest with you. Um, I can't speak to the salaries and things that people make in the U.S., but mm-hmm. I know for us we, like, make a salary and then they pay for our accommodation, like our apartments – and then any kind of travel, any kind of stuff like that. So it's pretty nice. Like, so we'll have our salary and then we don't really have too many expenses. So it works out pretty well. And we have the opportunity to live so close to so many different places. So, and like flights and trains around Europe are so much cheaper than having to come over from Canada and the U S. So yeah, it's been pretty fun. That's awesome. And just talk about, I guess, how has it been like, have you had to change a little bit? What's the culture like in Hungary? Is it how different is it compared to here in the U.S.? And what's that adjustment kind of been like for yourself? Um, I'd say the adjustment is more definitely a language barrier. Hungarian's a very difficult language. And trying to cook and find my groceries and communicate with, like, my coaches are Hungarian, but their English is really good. But I find that that is a big difference. But other than that, like I'd say hockey culture is the same basically across the world. Like the team is great, the atmosphere with everyone. People just kind of understand athletics at the same competition level, like everywhere, which is nice. Can you speak a little bit of Hungarian or not really? Um, I know the bare minimum. It's a difficult language and I should know more, but I'm trying, but it's not, yeah, it's not very good. Yeah. Well, at least you're trying. That's all that matters at the end of the day. So. Yeah, I could, I could definitely be better, but it's just so fast Mm -hmm. and it's like, doesn't compare to any kind of language I've spoken before. So it's basically starting a new language. And have you had the chance to come back to to Canada or have you been in Hungary for two years since COVID began? So I have been lucky. I've been able to come back. I'm from Toronto originally, so I've been able to go home for Christmases. So I came 
home my first year at Christmas. And then I came home in the summer and I was just kind of back and forth to Budapest for national camps, probably once a month. So mm-hmm. that was kind of a tough adjustment with the time zones because I'd have like fitness testing at 6 a.m., which would be middle of the night for me coming over. But it was it's pretty fun. And then I even got a chance to go back to RIT last May. The quarantine stuff's not great, but I'm hoping that that stops. But I've been lucky to be able to come back and forth. That's awesome. And talk has campus changed since you left, or is it pretty much the same? It was pretty much the same. I mean, I was only gone for a mm-hmm. year, so I'm hoping it doesn't change too much. But RIT is making a lot of new like adjustments and buildings, so there's always some kind of construction going on right now. Yeah. And obviously the team now, I was reading about them to, today, Half they have like 12 or 14 new freshmen on the team. So I don't know if you know anyone that's still on the team now. It seems like it's been kind of a transition uh, from the roster. Yeah, there's a few girls that I played with and lived with actually that are on the team, but I'm, I don't know the majority of the team. Mm-hmm. But even when I went back in May, I was able to meet a few of them and they're all really nice. And a lot of them are Canadian, which is nice. And I know a lot of kids like on other teams that are still there. So it was fun to see people and I'm sure I'll go back with a bunch of the alumni this year. That's awesome. Well, let's kind of transition and talk about the beginning of your hockey career and how you made it all the way up to college hockey with RIT. So you're from Toronto, like you said, Uh, talk about growing up there and how'd you start playing hockey? Yeah. So I grew up in Toronto. Um, I kind of grew up the same way that every Canadian hockey kid does like backyard rink outdoor ranks. Um, I have an older brother who's just just a year older than me. So we were in the same kind of league. It was like a little kid, no goalie, outdoor rink kind of winter league. And then um, I played boys hockey growing up in something called a skiers league. So you don't play on the weekends. So you can go skiing on the weekends. So we would have all our games. It was just like all boys select. And then as we got older, there were just more options, more leagues. And I just continued to play. That's awesome. And who was your favorite player growing up? Was it someone on the Leafs or was it a women's player on the national team? Um, honestly, it was probably Sidney Crosby solely because I knew who he was. I wasn't a huge NHL watcher, Team Canada watcher. Um, yeah, I should have been better, but I, I went to a few Leafs games when I was younger, and, like, Sidney Crosby was the big home Canadian boy, so he was probably my favorite. You obviously have to remember the goal and goal that he scored with Team Canada. I'm assuming you watched that game. Yeah, I think every Canadian watched that game. That was probably, like, one of the highlights of Canada right now, but I'm sure they're playing it now that the Olympics are starting again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's been it's been weird watching the Olympics because um, there's no fans in the stands, so it's a bit weird watching it from that perspective. But also, um, without the NHL players there, I feel like it, there's something missing, at least for the men's side of um, hockey in the Olympics. Yeah, I've been hearing that a lot. Uh, my best friend's on the Canadian women's team, so I've been trying to keep up with it a lot. But no NHL players, you got to watch the women then. Oh, yeah. I was. I, it's hard, though, with the time zone. I feel like it's a lot easier yeah. for you. But, like, the U.S. game was at 8 in the morning, and I have, like, school and stuff to do. So it's kind of hard to watch those games. But I'm definitely going to try to as best I can. I maybe sh- I should probably record it, to be honest with you. I, don't, I'm not, I need to learn how to do that so I can watch some of these games. Yeah, honestly, mine 
was at 5.30 this morning for Hawk Canada, so I didn't get up, but I saw the highlights. <laughs> so yeah. I'm trying a little bit, but hopefully I can watch more. Nice. Yeah, 12-1, pretty, um, pretty solid victory for them. Who's your best friend on the Canadian team? I'm just curious. Um, Claire Thompson. She's a defense. Oh, nice. Yeah, we grew up together, played at the Arrows together, so known her mm-hmm. forever. Nice. I had her sister, Jillian, on the podcast before, so that's pretty cool. Oh, I love Jillian. Oh, yeah. cutie. Well, like you mentioned before college hockey, you played for the Toronto Arrows. Um, How did you get the opportunity to go to the PWHL and play for that organization? I guess what's that process like uh, from youth hockey to junior hockey, I guess? Yeah, so I played forward all the way up until uh, probably Bantam. And then I went to – like I played forward through boys, and then I went over to girls hockey – And I was a forward and we just had too many forwards on the team in Bantam. So then I played defense and I guess that's was my calling. So I just kind of got scouted for the arrows like my first year defense and it ended up working out and I played on the midget team and then moved up to the junior team in the PW. And it was honestly the best experience and it was, it's a great organization and we had a great time. Like we had a really good team and, I'm still close with everyone from that team. Who are some of the players you got to play with at Toronto that played college hockey? Uh, Basically everyone on my team ended up going um, either in the U S or Canada to play. So like Claire Thompson, I got to play with like Daryl Watts, um, naming names you may know. Um, Michaela Grant Mentis, um, Claudia Black, Tori Haywood, who ended up going to RIT with me as well. Um, just a lot of different people on the arrows and we had like so many different great personalities and a lot of them like Haley Shugard, Emma Buckles, and then everyone ended up going somewhere mm-hmm. different or together, but we all are still really close. Yeah. What was it like playing with Daryl Watts growing up? That must've been fun. Yeah. I think we may have only played one or two years together, but Daryl's a really talented player and she sees the ice really well. Um, I think those years were really good because we had so much talent for her to work with. Obviously she has a lot of talent at Wisconsin and Boston college. She did, but um, I think she had a lot of different talent to work with at the arrow. So I think her and all the other players benefited playing together. Mm-hmm. And someone was telling me a story about Daryl Watts. They were saying like how they played on the same line together and like they had like 40 assists and partly it was just because Daryl would always take the pass and just find a way to score the goals. So that just shows you how good of a player she was. Yeah, and Stella, she's a great player and a great person. So I was really lucky to be able to know her and still know her. Now talk about your more about your experience with the Arrows. What did you take away from it? And what's the best memory you have with that team when you look back on it now? Um, I think I did definitely just take away a lot of the friendships and how close we were. Like all of my years, we were so close. And I think that's why we ended up being so good those years. Um, Probably my favorite memory, though, is my senior year we ended up winning the PWHL and Provincials so that was pretty fun and I think that it was just a great experience to go out winning both with so many great people. Mm -hmm. And what is the Provincials like the women's version of the Memorial Cup I'm just curious about that like is it all the league champions um, play each other in a tournament? Um, For the PWH for PWHL like it's kind of different at that league because in Ontario 
we have juniors, but in all the other provinces, there's only midget. So the midget champion, which is the lower league under the PWHL, will go to nationals and play against all of the other winners from their provincial championships. But in the junior league, it's kind of just all of the teams in the province will play each other. And it's just kind of like another PWHL championship, but it's still a fun tournament to play in. That's awesome. And I guess, how did the PWHL help prepare you for college hockey with RIT? Um, I think that like it's such an elite level and such a strong league that it gave me the opportunity to play against really talented players. So then I went to college. The transition wasn't that big for me, like other than the speed aspect maybe, but it's something that you adjust to well, like pretty fast. So yeah, I just think the league being so strong with so many, so much talent helps you just adjust and like, develop a lot faster. Now, obviously, talk about your recruitment process with the Arrows, and then how did that, I guess, talk about your recruitment process with RIT. How did that process start, and what made you want to go to RIT versus other schools you might have looked at at the time? Yeah, I think that um, I just started talking to a bunch of different schools with, with the Arrows. We had a lot of support through our coaching staff, and um, so we were able to be in communication with a lot of different schools and be scouted and see what was our best fit. Um, one of my coaches had a favorite saying, know what you're saying no to. So we would have the opportunity to go on a lot of different visits. And I think just RIT one, the facilities are like top tier, the rank and what you're offered is just so strong, but also the academic side of it was something that was really important to me. So just how strong RIT academically is, versus going to maybe a less academic school. I was really focused on that. And I also really liked the location, how close it is to home. And my parents were able to come and watch all the home games. And I was able to travel home when I had the opportunity. So I really thought that it was a good fit for me. So I went and visited a few times and it ended up working out. That's where I was going to go. Nice. And how cool is it to go to a school that's like a hockey school? Because that's something I've learned about RIT, just talking to some of the other athletes that have gone there. Is it's a hockey school. It's hockey's the most popular sport. And what's it like being a part of that hockey culture at, at RIT? Yeah, RIT is definitely a hockey school. And it's really nice because not only is RIT like a hockey school, but the athletics are kind of small. So you get to know all the other athletes as well. So when you go to like our games and the men's games, there's usually pretty big amount of people. There's a pretty big amount of people there and it's pretty packed. So the atmosphere is always fun and you always know you're going to be supported. And obviously the rank is just insane. So you can't really complain about any kind of the facilities that they put into our team. And now they're offering full rides and full scholarships. So it's only going to get better. And you were talking about some of the adjustments you had to make to college hockey, but what was the biggest adjustment you had to make to college hockey? Was it the speed of the game, the physicality of the game, or was it just the decision-making you have to make um, with the puck um, in college versus juniors? I think probably just the speed. I'm not the fastest player, so that's something that I just had to adjust to. Um, I think I kind of got away with it with my decision-making at the beginning, but as I obviously played longer, I – develop my speed so I think that probably the speed just of the senior players and 
players that you play against are just faster. Now, um, in your first year, you got your first collegiate goal um, in, in with RIT against Robert Morris. Um, just talk about that goal. What's it like scoring your first collegiate goal? And just talk about what it meant to you, especially beating a team like Robert Morris, who was ranked at the time, according to what I was reading. Yeah, honestly, it was a great experience. It was nice to just kind of get it out of the way because no one wants it like, dwelling over you. The goal wasn't pretty by any means. It was more, I was just kind of trying to dump it on net and it ended up deflecting off one of their girls and going in. But I'll, I mean, a goal's a goal, so I can't really complain. But yeah, it was funny. My roommate at the time and good friend, Claudia, scored at the same time, same her first goal as well. So it was fun to be able to do that with her at the same time. Did you get to keep the puck? And if you have it, where, where do you keep it now? Yeah, so I have the puck. I got the puck, but it's at home in Toronto with all my other pucks. So I have a first pro goal and then first uh, national team goal as well and a goal from my 100th game. So oh, I've got man. a few laying around, yeah. Do you have a favorite one or they're all the, they all have their value in some way? They all have their value. I would say maybe my 100th, 100th game goal is probably – a pretty special one because I mean I'm happy to be able to play 100 games in college but also to be able to score in one is definitely mm -hmm. a cool experience especially with my track record of injuries I wasn't sure if I'd get there but ended up working out for me so I, I like that one a lot yeah no that's really impressive I think people don't realize how impressive it is to play so many games not just in college but just professionally as well it just shows you it's just it's hard work just to make the lineup for one game, but to do it consistently, I think, is a huge accomplishment. So shout out to you for that. That's really awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it was super fun. And I had the Hunters game with my friend Jade, so we had the same game. It was fun. Oh, well, in your freshman year, you also had your first um, CHA playoff game, and you won it. Uh, talk about the first playoff win that you had um, and how important it was to the program as well, just because I think that was one of the last playoff wins your team has had or the program has had um, for a while, it looks like. Yeah, um, coming into the program, actually, they had been the underdog kind of before I was on the team and ended up doing well in playoffs. So it was kind of like a thing that RIT was known for at the time and ending up, I think we beat Penn State. I think um, and it was, it was super fun. It was a great game. And obviously, in those super high-pressure environments, it's just kind of fuels the adrenaline. So that was a great win and hopefully they can start winning again mm -hmm. and then one thing that really impressed me about your game just doing some research on yourself is you're one of the best shot blockers I've seen just because reading your stats you were second on the team and block shots on your sophomore junior year um, my question is what's the secret for being a good shot blocker and how do you handle eating all those pucks all the time that must that's a tough job for me um honestly my shin pads are a size too big and I think that makes a big difference and it's not by choice I know they look stupid but I have to wear them over my knee brace so I'm kind of sacrificing style for protection I guess so I think that plays a big role and I think I just never really had a fear of getting hit so all my injuries come from something else so I think that a bruise hasn't really really bothered me ever so mm -hmm. just kind of happened do you have any memorable shot blocks like in a during a penalty kill blocking the shot and getting the zone on clearance that must uh, anything like that stands out to you or they're all kind of the same in your memory um 
most of them are just kind of the same, but I do have one that I ended up losing a glove in front of the net. I think there's actually a picture on my Instagram, but like, I don't have a glove on. I, my hands just completely out and, and like we're on our goal line basically. And I'm like laying down and I ended up blocking it. And I was just hand out, like trying to block it. Like not a smart decision, but ended up working out. So maybe that one, but I wouldn't recommend it. They don't blow the whistle if um, you lose a glove or is that only with like the goalie? Probably just the goalie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the goalie. <laughs> so did you block it with your bare hand or did it miss? I want to say I blocked it, but like I can't be confident in that, but it's just a pretty funny picture. So I'm going to go with that one. Yeah. I'm going to say you blocked it just because I think that's a cool story. And I don't think that, I don't know if you can fact check that or not, but like, I think you, I'm going to say you blocked it. I think that's a cool story. Yeah. We'll play it up. Yeah. And obviously your junior season, you had, you were having a breakout season. You had nine points. Um, but unfortunately in that season, you suffered a season ending injury. So I kind of want to talk a little bit about that. First of all, how did that injury occur? And um, I guess, how did you know your season was going to be over? Um, was it like right when the injury happened or was it kind of like a few hours later? Yeah. So I um, tore my ACL MCL meniscus in our last game before Christmas against BU. Um, I was just skating backwards, kind of a knee on knee collision, just completely blew my knee out. So um, I didn't want to believe that it was my season was over, but there's a, I couldn't get up. Like there's a video of me in the corner trying to stand up and skate to the bench and just like not being able to, and then like crawling. Um, I think I, I knew pretty well, like I couldn't stand or walk on it. And once we got my equipment off, I couldn't move my leg really, but I didn't want to believe it. I had just come off shoulder surgery and a broken foot all within like eight months. So I was hoping that, you know, maybe I was just being weak, but no, I knew pretty well. And it was our last game before Christmas. So I had all Christmas break to think about it before surgery. So yeah, it was a pretty quick realization that that was going to be the end of the season. Yeah, and how did, did it hurt even more? Because like I was mentioning before, you were having a really good season that year. You had nine points, and it seemed like you overcame a lot of adversity just to play that year with the foot injury and then the shoulder as well. Um, I think it was kind of almost funny for me. Like it was – the video is me crawling to the bench, and then I get to the bench, and I'm like borderline laughing. It was just kind of like a rule of threes, so something ha- bad had to happen. <laughs> that was it. It was. I was just kind of hoping that it wasn't going to, but mm-hmm. it definitely sucked. But it also put a lot of perspective in my life, and I wouldn't change it. And my knee's great now. Knock on wood. But so sucked. But it's all right. I still had my senior year. It would have hurt worse if it was my senior year. Yeah. And just talk about the recovery process for that injury. Like, how did you recover physically from it? But also the mental side of it must be tough too because you're watching your teammates play games and you're not there. I feel like that's even worse than the physical side sometimes as well. Yeah, physically it was brutal because I ended up having my first surgery in January, which one, crutches in the winter is not great, but obviously it wasn't a very comfortable surgery. And then 
I ended up having to have another one on my knee in June. So from that time, I was recovering, but not at the speed I needed to be. And then I had my second one in June, and that ended up helping a lot. Uh, mentally, I didn't struggle that much. I have great teammates, and everyone was super supportive. So that helped a lot, but I was also around the team a lot. So it didn't um, feel like I was missing out. And I had recovered from other surgeries and other injuries. So I think that I just kind of took it with a grain of salt and moved on. Now, did you have, do you have to get two surgeries after you tear your ACLs or just one? Or for your case, it was a little bit different because the way the bone broke, I assume. I don't know. Um, so normally it's just one. I tore my ACL, MCL meniscus. So it was pretty bad. Um, so the first surgery fixed all three. And then I had to have another one in June just on my meniscus. So they had to go back into my knee, but it was a lot smaller. I was walking like two weeks later. Mm-hmm. but. Not normally you have to get more than one, but I'm just unlucky. Yeah, and um, and then you, but you did come back from that injury stronger than ever. Um, talk about what was going through your mind uh, playing your first game back uh, from tearing your ACL, and I guess um, talk about that game as well because you got an assist the first game back. That must have felt good to get on the score sheet as well in that game. Yeah, I think I was like a little nervous, but I had been skating with the team and doing contact and of the rehab that we have to do. And I also wear a pretty big titanium knee brace. that goes probably middle of my shin to the middle of my quad. So I I feel pretty secure in that. Um, I honestly didn't know I got an assist. I probably wouldn't have remembered it. I just kind of was happy to be back and happy playing again with the team and was just Mm -hmm. excited for the season. And as a senior, what type of leadership did you want to bring? Um, Because um, uh, were you more of like a vocal leader, lead by example? Like what type of leadership um, did you try to bring to the team as a senior? Because I thought I saw that you had an A in your jersey as well. So that must have been cool if you did. Yeah, I honestly, I'm pretty, I don't take things really seriously on the bench. I kind of like to keep it lighthearted. So I prefer to lead by example. I'm not a big yell at people. I don't really see the point in it. I don't I've never seen it really work so uh, I would choose to lead by example I'm sure I got frustrated at points but I tried to keep it light and just keep encouraging people and hopefully they'll keep it light and be more confident out there who was the vocal leader on the team like did you guys try to like um like was it like the leadership meetings that your team had or was it kind of just like whoever um wanted to speak got to speak yeah, we definitely had more vocal players than le- and less vocal players, but it, our, with our team dyman- dynamic, like everyone was able to say something if they had something to say, and I'm sure everyone did at some point. But I would say that it definitely varied with who would say something and who wouldn't. So I think everyone at some point would say, like, speak up and say something. Now, another thing that happened your senior year is you played your final collegiate game against Penn State. Um, talk about that game and what was going through your mind on uh, knowing you were done with college hockey after that playoff game. Yeah, it's tough because obviously college hockey was amazing and you, I wanted to play forever and I was hoping you could, but you can't. So it's definitely hard being done with that team and being done with any team. And it's hard every year, every year is a new team and you get new players and you lose players that you're friends with and that you like to play with. Um, 
it was definitely tough to be done, but I think COVID ending my college before it was supposed to end also sucked a lot and made kind of the end of my college feel like it didn't really happen. Yeah. Where were you when you found out like your college was going to be going remote and the whole world was going to change? I feel like everyone has like a COVID pandemic story. Yeah. So we were at the beginning of spring break. So we had just finished hockey and COVID was starting and they were closing the border. So we were like, oh, like all the Canadians were like, we got to go home today for spring break. So we all went home and then they were like, we're just going to extend spring break for two weeks. You're going to get an extra week. And everyone was like, yeah, awesome. Like we got a week off then I'll be back at school, senior spring. Obviously that didn't happen. So I, I guess when school went fully remote, we weren't going to have graduation. We weren't going to have anything. I was at home in Toronto in COVID lockdown, but yeah, I was, think hanging out with my team when all of the stuff happened and we had to go home and um I guess like how'd you handle that um because I was a senior in high school when it happened and to be honest it's still like it's kind of weird to think about my last like real day of high school was a day that I didn't even think was going to be my last day I'm assuming you probably have like kind of a similar experience with that yeah it's just strange and just it's strange to me that it's been going on this long. It kind of just feels like a blur. And I'm sure a lot of people feel that way as well. Yeah, definitely my last in-class person, like, interaction didn't feel like they'd be the last. It was like, oh, spring break. We had our pre-spring break assignments and exams. And then it was just like, you're not coming back. And I had to drive back and just pack all of my stuff that was in my house. And I had to go back on a random day when they opened the borders. So I didn't really get to see a lot of my friends and at least I'm lucky I've kept in touch with a lot of them and been able to see them since, but it was definitely a really strange moment for everyone. And how did you get your stuff back from your dorm room? Um, if it was still there, like that must, that's something I didn't really consider much about. I guess COVID with colleges is probably a ton of people had their stuff still in their dorm room when everything got shut down. Yeah. So I lived in a house with a bunch of other hockey players. So I was, um, I packed for spring break. I went home for spring break and then all of my stuff was still in my room at my house. Um, I was able, I guess maybe in May to go down. I drove down for the day, packed everything and left all by myself. It was really anticlimactic and like very sad, but yeah, I just kind of drove my car. I'm only probably three and a half hours, so it wasn't too bad of a trip, but it wasn't the ending I was expecting. And when you look back on your college hockey career with RIT, like what what do you take away from it? Like what sticks out to you the most? Um, yeah, definitely it was some of the hardest years of my life, but it was probably some of the most rewarding. Um, I definitely look back at RIT with fond memories and like I can't wait to go back to visit. I've met some of my best friends there and through hockey and we've all bonded through like the tough days and the hard workouts and the early mornings and the bag skates. So it definitely has taught me like a lot of perseverance and how to get through basically anything. I'd say I've never had a harder workout and some of those skates were some of the hardest skates in my life. So I know if I can make it through those, I can make it through anything basically.
Nice. And also you dealt with a tough injury too. That must have taught you a lot um, after college as well. Yeah, I definitely my injuries. I've been lucky. My rehab has been going well and it's continuing to go well. Um, I think they just kind of put into perspective how lucky I am to play and how easy it is for your career to be ended. So I was happy to be able to get back, but I know people who've been injured can't play anymore. So it's definitely an eye opener. And what's the best memory you have with RIT? Is it scoring that goal on your hundredth game or was, is it another game that you remember the most, which is like your favorite memory? I have a lot of really good memories, but I'd say we have a pretty big rivalry against Syracuse just because how close we are to them, like in proximity. Um, my, I guess, junior year, we ended up beating them a lot in the regular season. So I'd say those were pretty fun games because they're such a big rivalry school and the games are always just so much fun to compete in. So I'd say those are some of the my favorite games. And you both have orange jerseys in college hockey, which is kind of a rarity. So that's another that's another thing that your two schools have similarity similarities, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even think about that. And we'd have people from RIT come to the Syracuse games and vice versa. So you were never really playing at home. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I want to transition now and talk about the non-hockey segment of the podcast. That's the segment we're in currently. Um, not the best transition, Matt, but you know we're getting through it as best I can. So. Um, what well, basically the segment is we just ask, I just ask you some non-hockey questions just to get to know you a little bit more, um, off the ice. So my first non-hockey question to you is what sports moment do you think should have a documentary about it? Now, I guess this is kind of hockey related, but, um, what, what would you pick? I guess. I would love to watch a documentary on just like the Canadian and the American women's hockey rivalry and just kind of how that developed and how it's like ongoing because it's such a strong rivalry and you just we ha- we would compete in it at school like all the Americans would wear American clothing and we wear our Canadian clothing for any kind of the games and we'd have like fun bets on it and one of my roommates was American so we always hassled her but I think that would be a really cool one to watch yeah well I think it would be cool to hear about the 2018 gold medal game too just because like that was uh, from my memory that's the one I remember the most and just um how it ended in a shootout and it seemed like it was a pretty crazy game of all the stuff that happened. So um, that, that, that'll definitely be a cool documentary. Yeah. I think that it just like ever growing and I think it would be really cool to see like a women's documentary, especially since it's such a even split between the two teams. So it would be, I think it would be very cool to watch. I guess for my sports documentary, I'll probably choose like, Probably the Red Sox winning the World Series after the Boston Marathon bombing. That was a pretty cool story. And just how the team, like, no one really expected that team to win it that year. So I thought that that would be kind of cool documentary to talk about how that run kind of united the city of Boston. So that's what I would pick. Surprised there isn't one about that. Yeah, that's a good decision. I don't think there's one. At least I haven't seen it. I feel like I would have heard about it if they did make one. So that's why I think it would be kind of cool. Yeah, that would be a really good one. It's a good decision. It's a good pick. Now, Thinking about your teammates that you played with, who was the funniest teammate you had um, at RIT? The funniest teammate, I'm going to go with Claudia Black or Catherine Kennedy, who I live with right now, actually, in Budapest. But Claudia Black is just 
funny in her just the thing she does is funny I don't think she intends for them to be funny but she's just one of the funniest people I've ever met everything she does is funny and it's hard to not laugh when you're around her do you have any cool stories with her or is it just like um you have to be there to see it I guess she's just one of those people that everything she does is just kind of awkward like one time I lived with her at college and she set her oven on fire like it's just those things where you're like were you not thinking the girl's smart though she has an MBA from RPI but she's just one of those people who doesn't realize and it's just funny to witness now you obviously had the best style on the team that's undeniable but besides yourself who had the best style who brought the best game day fits onto the game Oh, that's a good question. Mal Rushton had some good style. She still does. I don't know if you see any of those photos that she posts on her Instagram. Yeah. Brennan Dockniak always had some good style. Yeah, there was some good style on the team. Abby Davies has good style. I would not say I was up there with the stylish, but we're working on it. So, yeah, a lot of people had some good outfits, now that I think about it. Jenna DeYoung had some good ones. Mm-hmm. I guess I should take notes because I need to work on mine. I think your style looks great, to be honest with you. But um, no, you definitely there was def- there's definitely some tough competition, at least for the players that you played with in college. Mm-hmm. Now next, yeah, on are... to... oh sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. People are way more stylish, so mm-hmm. it's okay. Yeah, you can. But the, I think if there's one positive from it, you can kind of ask them and get advice since you know them so well, and that could help improve your style potentially. I'll just start copying their outfits. Yeah, that's a good idea. I, that doesn't hurt at all. Um, they, you, and they might not even notice too, which is it was, which would be kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. Now, next on hockey question is: um, What is the most interesting thing you've seen or read this week? I just finished Haley Wickenheiser's book, so that was pretty good. It's really interesting to just see how she's like transitioned from being such an elite hockey player to a doctor to working in athletics with the leaf. So I would recommend it if anyone wants to read it. I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. It's a pretty easy read too. So yeah, it's probably that one. What does she do with the Maple Leafs? Cause I thought um, she works, so she works for the Leafs and is a doctor too. Yeah. So she works with the Leafs. I want to say in like player development, but don't quote me on that. Um, yeah. But she's also a doctor in Toronto. So she does it all. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, it's really impressive. All well being, I don't even know, multi time Olympian. Mm-hmm. Hockey Hall of Famer. So, yeah. No, I definitely, I don't know. I definitely got to get her on the pot if I can. I'll be pretty, pretty, I need it. That's, I don't know how you balance all that being working for the Leafs and then being a doctor, especially during a pandemic, too. Nonetheless, that must be even more challenging. Yeah, she talks about working through the pandemic in her book. Yeah, it's she's just pretty inspirational and she seems like she's never taken a day off. Now, if there was a movie made about your life, who would you want to play yourself? Maybe Haley Wickenheiser, I don't know. Maybe, I'm not sure if she's in acting yet, but maybe she would be for me. Um, actresses, maybe Blake Lively, solely because I've watched a lot of her movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not a huge movie person, but I'm going to go with Blake Lively. Nice. 
If you could live anywhere, where would it be and why? If you had a pick, would it be Budapest or would it be like um, like Hawaii or something like that? Um, I definitely don't think I would want to live somewhere warm year-round. I like seasons and I like the cold, like I like winter. So um, I think that right now I'm not fully decided where I want to live. I'm pretty happy moving around and having the option to do that. Now that I have a European Union passport, I can basically work anywhere. So it gives me the option to be able to move around Europe or come home to Canada. So I'm not set on anywhere, but I think it would have to have some kind of cold climate. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, Scandinavia would be kind of good for that. I feel like obviously the winters are cold there, but I feel like they have unique summers there as well. Like I've always wanted to visit Norway because I feel like it has the perfect amount of like seasons there. I don't know if you've been there before, but that's a spot I've always wanted to go to. Yeah, no, I haven't been, but I've actually been looking at planning a trip there. Uh, yeah, I think that would be super cool. It might be a little dark for me in the winter because they don't, because their seasons are different, but mm-hmm. I also love mountains. I mean, I'm not a picky person. I could be pretty happy anywhere. So like, I love Rochester. Toronto's awesome. Budapest is awesome. So I've been lucky to be able to move around and I guess we'll see where I end up. Yeah, I guess if I had to pick any spot, I'll pick Boston just because um, I don't know. There's, I feel like there's so much to do around um, the New England area. And if like you want to be in the city, you can go to the city. But if you want to go to like the suburbs and like kind of settle down for a little bit, you can go there as well. So there's, I feel like there's just a lot of options here in New England. Yeah, Boston's a great city. I've been there a few times and it's awesome. And I feel like it reminds me a little bit of Toronto. But so it has best of both worlds, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're now done with the non-hockey segment. Let's get back to some hockey questions now. Uh, my first question to you is, uh, what advice would you give a younger player who's trying to pursue a career in Division One college hockey? Honestly, maybe just have fun. Like, I think there's so much pressure put it on, put on like recruitment and development at such a young age, and it's gonna burn everyone out. Like, I I think I grew up and played maybe five times in a summer and I think honestly that's one of the reasons that I was able to develop because I wanted to go to the rink and I wanted to play and just find a team that you like and a team you have friends on no one wants to play on a team they don't like you're just gonna hate going to the rink every day so I think those are probably my biggest two advice now what should be done to grow women's hockey in your opinion I'm curious how Europe does it compared to here in North America if it's different or not Um, I think just exposure and funding. I think that's probably everyone's answer. And I think that obviously it's getting better, but it still needs a lot of work. I think we need to continue to grow the game internationally. Um, It's, it's interesting here because I find that it's kind of behind compared to uh, like North America. So it's interesting to see how they're growing the teams here in hockey hungry and just how they're starting to put more funding and more exposure into here. So it's cool to be a part of that and to help like younger generations and younger girls grow in the sport. But I think that like universally, we just need more funding and more exposure and more support. I think this would be a good time for the exposure part of it, just because like the Olympics, like that's when the most eyes are on women's hockey. 
especially with the NHL players not being there too. Yeah, and I think that it is. Like, I think a lot of people watch women's hockey and obviously the fan base just continues to grow and sponsorships and funding. I just think there needs to be more platforms for it played all year and be able to play it on basically any TV network, much like the men's. So I think those will be the next steps and be able to access it easier. And I heard another thing I've heard about just the, how women's hockey can grow is having like one pro league. Um, I just want to get your thoughts on that just because it seems like a lot of the top women's hockey players play in different leagues. And I feel like it'd be kind of cool to have one league where all the best um, top women's hockey players can be a part of kind of like the NHL. Yeah, I think that that's like the ultimate goal. I think we're looking to be able to have livable salaries and be able to be professional without having to have side jobs. So I think that's definitely the goal, much like the NHL. Um, I think that's what we're working towards. So hopefully within the next couple of years, we see that. I think it's continuing to get better every year. So hopefully it continues. And then last hockey question, should body checking be allowed in women's hockey? I want to say yes, even though I'm only 5'4". I'm a pretty physical player, I'd say. But I understand why it's not. Because of just the pure difference in the international stage, it makes it a really difficult competition when you're playing countries that have a lot smaller teams and a lot less players developed that it just almost increases the difference between the powerhouse teams and the not so strong teams so I understand why not and I I want to say yes but we're still pretty physical so I don't think it would change the game too much yeah I just feel like I find it kind of odd that it's not allowed just because like you're playing other women's hockey players like I don't know. I feel like it, like it, it would actually, maybe it could also potentially reduce injuries just because like um, people have to have their heads up more and you have to learn how to play in a more physical game. So if like an accident like happened, you like know how to like, I guess, protect yourself from it. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the players I've played with grew up playing boys checking. So we all like were able to develop that. And I think that's one of the things that made me the player I am today. Cause that's how I, learn to play and we'd have checking practices and it just kind of developed my game and my skill and having to move the puck faster. So definitely thankful for that, but I can understand why with all the concussions now and injuries at younger ages, I understand why they're even removing it from younger boys teams as well. So you know how to check someone you learn how to do it. Cause a lot of women's hockey players I've talked to don't know how to uh, throw a body check. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I definitely know how to throw a body check. Just haven't done one in a while. Mm-hmm. Have you ever? Did you ever do one in college by mistake? Obviously, I feel like if you play like a hundred games, there's got to be an accident where you like bodied someone by mistake. Or have you ever been oh. shot yourself? That's another thing that no one talks about. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure I've got body checking penalties, and I'm sure I've soaked a few. But you know, it's just part of the game. Even if you don't mean to, there's physicality to it. Depending on the ref, they call what they want to see. So sometimes you get checked. It's not called. Sometimes you check and it's called. So it's just kind of how it is. There's a borderline that just kind of changes with each referee in each game. So I guess we'll see. I think that the physicality of the game continues to grow. And I think depending on the competition level, I think that changes how physical you can be as well. 
any memorable um, checks that happened in college or they're all kind of the same for you? Um, few memories of getting checked and being a little winded, but can't say that I remember a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I'd say like a lot of college just kind of blurs together. There's the key moments that the core memories, but a lot of the games to me were just fun in general. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a good kind of way to end off the podcast. But before we get to that, do you have any shout outs you want to give to any of your former teammates, family members, friends, anyone that might be listening? Um, feel free to give them a shout out. I know we, you kind of mentioned some of them throughout this um, podcast, but if there's anyone you forgot to mention, feel free to shout them out now. No, I mean, obviously all my friends know who they are and love them all and my parents, but yeah, no, I'm just happy to be able to have this opportunity and talk to you and be able to meet you and discuss my hockey career. And obviously it's continuing to grow. So I'm super excited to see where it goes. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Taylor. I really appreciate your time. It means a lot to myself. Um, Like I said before, I wish you all the best um, uh, for the rest of your career. Um, Take care and stay safe. And if you ever uh, play in the U.S., uh, feel free to let me know. I'd love to see you play in person sometime soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's interview of College Hockey Talk. If you want to check out our older interviews, make sure to do that. You can do that on the Apple Podcast page, Spotify account, or our YouTube channel where you can watch many different interviews from this podcast. Uh, Make sure you follow our social media accounts at College Hockey Talk, and I'll see you guys next time with another great interview. But until then, take care and have a great day. Bye.